The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome in, folks, here on Big Blue Views Audio Lineup. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Fum and Nick Filato, recording on a victory Monday as the Giants earned their second win over the Carolina Panthers. 25 to 3 was the final score. A win that, as I said, gives the Giants their second victory of the 2021 season, heading into a Monday night football matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs this upcoming weekend. So today, as we always do on Tuesday episodes, we unpack the film, we take a look back and discuss anything that might have stuck out to us on the second rewatch or just re uh, addressing some ruminating thoughts that we didn't get to necessarily on the post-game live stream. But I would like to open today's discussion on figuring out where our heads should be at after this win. I, I understand that we've been a, a fairly realistic so far this year in, in anticipating how this team was going to do. We even talked about how this was a very winnable game for the Giants on the preview episode that we did early in the week. But the two sides of things that I, I've been seeing on social media and then on YouTube is that this win is the start of a run and the Giants are going to make the playoffs. And the other end is that this win means absolutely nothing and they just happen to catch a bad team off guard. So where do we sit in in the in that spectrum? I feel like we're always going to be a little bit more uh, level-headed when evaluating a win like that. But what do you guys think? First, uh, let me just say the whole this win means nothing. There, every win in the NFL means something, even against these backup quarterbacks. Look, these guys pour their heart and soul. Their job is to win football games and to go out there and execute these assignments. And even beating teams like the Carolina Panthers, whose offense was spiraling. We have to keep that in the context. They are not a great offense. Even defeating those teams could spark something, could spark a run, like people are saying. But me necessarily, I'm not... I don't have delusions of grandeur and think that the Giants are going to go on some run and defeat teams like the Buccaneers or the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. Now, could they be competitive? Could they maybe steal a win? Yes, but to think that it's because of this sole win is not where I'm at. I think the Giants, this is a great win for the Giants just because it is a win and the Giants beat a team they were supposed to beat. And that is something that they didn't do earlier this season against the Falcons. They didn't do against the Washington football team. So for that reason, I think it's great. But next week is next week. And yes, there could be confidence from this week that can carry into next week. But I don't necessarily feel like the Giants position themselves to win this division with a healthy Dallas Cowboys team. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. You know, it's 
every win is a good win, especially for the players, for the you know, for the guys inside the building. Uh, as far as the grand scheme of things, I think this is kind of where the Giants are and kind of just where they are this year, where they're going to pick off you know, the true bottom feeders of the league and maybe steal a win against a team like New Orleans that takes their eye off the ball, takes them lightly. Like You, you could see at the end of the game against New Orleans, uh, Sean Payton got cocky. He was definitely feeling himself, and he took the Giants lightly, and they were able to not screw up and capitalize when the Saints made a whole bunch of bad calls. <clears throat> Taysom Hill. <laughs> and, also, Chris, Chris, yeah, Sean Payton. You know he wants to, if he wants to be cocky against any team. It's the New York. Giants. Oh, of course. Eyes is the Giants. Oh, the Giants yeah. passed over him and chose Tom Coughlin to be the, the oh, head yeah. coach back in the day. Yeah, it. it th- those grudges never die. I don't think. Yeah, right now I bet Tom Brady still has a grudge. <laughs> oh, actually, he's probably got an even bigger grudge. But he actually said. He said it on his podcast, I think, yeah. a couple uh, weeks ago. He said, what team do I enjoy beating the most? It has to be the Giants because of those. those oh, ones. But yeah. he, says it, he says it in jest. He doesn't you know, actually hate the Giants. He seems like he has a friendship with Eli Manning, but he's never going to get them two Super Bowls back, baby. And that's yeah, something the Giants always have over the goat. Brady probably still has it in the back of his mind the times the Giants beat the Patriots in the preseason. So, the, But we're getting a little <laughs> off topic. <laughs> we don't have to worry about Brady for at least another three, about four weeks. Right. But so getting back on topic, though, I, I, I do want to say, and I agree with you guys, I think that this game is more of a confidence booster than anything. And uh, somebody who I, I played on in, on in college on a team where one season we lost a bunch of really close games early on in the season. When you lose games like that, that completely can deplete any level of confidence that you have to compete in the next stretch of games, especially against good opponents. And we kind of saw that that lack of energy, especially against the Rams and, and some of these other games. But when you play a, a defiant victory like that, where your defense is clicking and even though they're the opposing offense is just horrendous because your defense has such a good performance, stuff like that is going to build confidence. I'm not saying that a confidence boost is enough to make a run and win the division. The reality is right now that the giants have dug themselves into, I feel an insurmountable hole to really do anything with this season. One in five is realistically very, very hard to get out of. There's like the statistic that if you start 0-2, it's it's very unlikely to make the playoffs. 1-5 is a lot harder to dig yourself out of. But right now, it's it's still a, a step in the right direction. And I know we've been saying that for three freaking years at this point. But that's the reality of it when you're coming off of 1-5, getting a victory, and then be, becoming now 2-5. and five. It's baby steps. And I don't think we should get ahead of ourselves quite yet. Look, we got to take this week by week evaluating Daniel Jones and evaluating Joe Judge and evaluating kind of everything outside of possibly Dave Gettleman, who's probably not going to be here beyond this season. So if the Giants, though, now I'm not necessarily taking it week by week right now, but I'm taking it in increments. If the Giants can steal two of the next three games, then we're talking about possibly a wild card consideration. Put yourself in the wild card situation. Remember, there's seven teams from each conference that make the wild card now. The NFC, it's very, very top heavy. You have Tampa Bay, you have Green Bay, you have you have the Rams, you have teams like that. But then you there's probably gonna be some teams that like the Vikings, who who are, I feel like objectively better than the Giants, but they lost some 
winnable games early in the season. So possibly if the Giants can win some games, they can get themselves back into the wild card race. But again, that's a little bit getting a little bit ahead of ourselves right now. Yeah, I think we can leave December for December. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, we don't want to get too far down the line. And as you said, when when you're two and five and you're at the middle of the season, you do have to take a a week by week approach. There's always that possibility to continue to steal wins and a a confidence booster against a, a struggling team can spark something like that, can spark a couple stolen games where we saw that last year where they went on a little bit of a run. They were at least in contention to maybe make the playoffs in a, in a really weak NFC East. So anything is, is certainly on the table <laughs> that, for the Giants. That's being very kind to the NFC East last year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's very true. Oh, man. Nate Joe being diplomatic over here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somehow Washington made it, uh, which we still can... Never figure out how that happened. We know why it happened, but we're we're not going to unpack those old wounds. So going and taking a look at this game, evaluating the good, evaluating the bad. I, w- I want to hit on this one first because we were kind of chuckling about this before the game. If this is really a good thing, but uh, Jason Garrett made himself look a little bit better in this game by putting together a good game plan like he did against the New Orleans Saints. The inconsistency is frustrating, but... Here he is. He puts together a good game plan. What are some of the things that you guys noticed from the, the play calling? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I would go ahead. Chris, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So for me, it wasn't putting Daniel Jones in a position to get killed by Hassan Reddick like he did in Week Five, or in, in when they gave up five sacks against the uh, Cardinals last season. There weren't that many five-step drops. It was a lot of play action. It was a lot of play action and boot move the pocket type of plays, kind of get Daniel Jones on the run, create multi-level reads, three-level reads. So Daniel Jones can either throw it in the flat, throw it, you know, 10 yards down the field to throw it deep. And if that's not there, he can pick up a couple yards with his legs. I felt like Jason Garrett called a really, really good game from the 20 to the 20. And then you get into the red zone. And I love the Dante Pettis touchdown. I thought that was really good. It was a three-by-one set. Three goes underneath against man coverage, vertical releases from the one and two. We see the Rams run a similar play with Cooper Cup, and that was really great to see Jason Garrett call that. But then you go back to the Kyle Rudolph possession where Kyle Rudolph stepped out of bounds and wasn't a lot of creativity on that play, on those plays, I should say, that sequence of plays. So I still think that there's a lot to clean up on the offensive side of the football, specifically with the offensive line. But the offensive line looked good in part, or I should say looked adequate or solid in part because Jason Garrett called a game that didn't put a lot of stress on them and forced a lot of hesitation from the defense, getting them to flow one direction and then try to throw passes in the other direction with the play action game. So I thought it was a solid overall game plan from Jason Garrett. 
Yeah, I'd say the, the first thing that really jumped out to me was that he threw everything he had in his playbook at the Panthers defense to slow down that pass rush. I mean, they opened the game with a read option run. Yeah. That, you know, considering Daniel Jones's uh, history with injuries and how well that Panthers defense flies around. I mean, when you've got Jeremy Chin just lurking all over the field, guys like Ryan Burns, Hassan Reddick, even with Shaq Thompson out, their linebackers are pretty darn quick. You know, you, they the Giants were throwing caution to the wind by letting Jones carry the ball as much as he did, putting him in space as much as he did. But like you said, had the play action boot, the rollouts, the RPO game, they did everything they could to put in hesitations, to slow down that Panthers pass rush. And for the most part, it was effective. Like, the they still got, I think, a lot a lot more pressure on Jones than the Giants were probably comfortable with. But all things considered, the scheme did well enough. Yeah, the other thing that jumped out at me was just how many shallow passes the Giants went with. And you know, I get it. The Panthers have a pretty good secondary, even without J.C. Horn, definitely without Stephon Gilmore. But you know, the the Giants, as beat up as they are at receiver. And yeah, you know, the the Panthers playing as much press man as they like to. Yeah, you know, the downfield opportunities weren't really going to be there. But still, like, what was it? Twenty four of thirty three pass attempts came ten yards or or shorter. That's a lot of passes that don't mean a whole lot. Which is why I think the Giants were really good between the twenties, but bogged down once they got into the red zone and the field really constricted for the defense. Yeah. You know, it was a lot easier for the Panthers to play downhill at that point. And I think they had something like 10 or 12 passes to the right at five yards or less. You know, just that cluster of receptions right there was honestly just funny to see on the passing chart. Also, man, it's just a lot of field goals, which is something that yeah. we've kind of come – accustomed with a lot of these 12 play drives for 60 yards that ends in a field goal and yeah yeah you can beat the Carolina Panthers with that kind of attack but you're not beating teams in the playoffs with that and that's been a big problem with Jason Garrett so those problems still persist here with this offense but overall I do believe it was a solid game plan with all things considering. I mean, the Giants are out there. Sterling Shepard's ruled out. They had to put guys like David Sills on the field, Colin Johnson, Dante Pettis, who played really well. And then their offensive line consists of Nate Solder and Matt Parrott, who could arguably be and Parrott played well in this game, all things considered. But the combination of Solder and Parrott could be the worst two starting tackles in the league, that tandem together right now, which – says a lot still about the fact that the Giants were able to get this win against Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, and all of these defenders. Yeah, and I, I got to say, Jeremy Chin impressed the hell out of me in that Great. game. I, I mean, uh, who did he beat to make that tackle on the screen? Was it – it was an att- it was an attempted wide receiver screen. I think he beat Matt Parrott. He, ju- he just stacked and shed him despite giving up, like, what, 100 pounds? Probably like, more. Yeah, that he is an impressive defender. Like just from a pure football perspective, that guy can play. <laughs> yeah. So you guys also indicated, and it was something that we talked about on the live stream, that the the defense 
really stepped up. They took advantage of some some really huge opportunities. After that first drive, it felt like they were really closed down and, and they weren't allowing much rushing yardage uh, in a game where Matt Rule has said he was going to put an emphasis on trying to run the football. They also ended up getting that pick. Uh, James Bradbury made a really good play. Is that kind of the, the, the feeling that we're getting here is that the defense really was the big reason why they were able to win this football game? My feeling is that the defense stepped up and took advantage of what they were given. You know, the Panthers offense, like Nick said earlier, they're spiraling. You know, Sam Darnold is just not an NFL quarterback at this point. He is he played just absolutely horrendous football. Yeah, you know, his internal clock was all kinds of messed up. His mechanics were bad his decision making was bad and then add to that the the Panthers receivers couldn't catch a cold their offensive line is at least as bad as the Giants was yeah I don't want to take anything away from the defense they did their job yeah they took advantage of their matchups they yeah Bradbury hung on to the ball when Bradford threw it uh, sorry when Darnold threw it to him I, I don't know where Sam Bradford came from (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, the the Giants edge rushers they they beat those tackles. Even if one of them was Brady Christensen, you know they still won their matchups to create pressure. And you know when I went to look at the stats today, Sam Darnold's average completion was about five feet downfield in the air, one point seven yards converted air yardage. That is the, I don't, I don't recall ever seeing anything that low and yeah, the, the Giants defense did their part, but they also hit a get healthy offense at the exact right time. Yeah. Darnold was, I think in the seventh percentile of all quarterbacks since over the last decade, since 2010, that is just, wow. (laughs) It's uh, it coincided, man. The Giants get right top type of opportunity with the perfect offense to get right against, which is great. And again, like we said earlier in the podcast, Joe and Chris, it's still something to be proud of because they were able to do it. But at the same time, I got to take it into context that this was the Carolina Panthers offense. Now, let's hope that they can build upon this have that confidence and the continuity between the pass rush being married to the secondary is maintained through the next just the rest of the season, I guess I, I should say, because it's not something we've consistently seen all year for this Patrick Graham coach defense. Pass rush was either abysmal and then the secondary suffered or the secondary wasn't great. The pass rush was doing an okay job, but in this game, they were both married together and they took advantage of the matchup. Yeah, the, the trick will be doing it against a competitive offense. Let's, let's just start with a competitive offense. The Raiders, let's say. Let's say the Raiders and, and not try to like throw the Chiefs and the Bucks in there. Yeah. We can get to them in due, po- in due time. Yes. So flipping the, the, the script here on, on talking about maybe some of the negatives, we, we can't always just talk positives, especially in a game where, frankly, it was far from perfect. While we were giving praise to Jason Garrett for the play calling, there were still some noticeable inefficiencies offensively. Um, some of the things that came up in the red zone, they had an opportunity to score and lose out on it off of what I talked about on the, in the post game stream as a, a questionable red zone call to run the same 
freaking rollout pass that never works. But what what are some of those inefficiencies that, that caught your guys' attention? For, for me, man, it was those penalties, Chris. Those penalties, bro. Come on, guys. We have to be a little bit better. And I understand whenever there's a an RPO or something like that, it's difficult for the offensive line to, to climb to the second level or to know to climb to the second level. But on some of those plays, I don't even know if they were designed RPOs. I think they were more just play actions. And Matt Paris, like 14 yards down the field blocking somebody. It's like, what the heck are you doing, man? Nate Solder as well. And there was also just sloppy mistakes that just killed drives. And that's also been the story of the Giants in 2021 is whether it's the offense or the defense, but a lot on the offense, they'll be having this nice drive. It's like moving the football methodically, or as Hank Stram said, matriculating the ball down the field. And then all of a sudden, a penalty gets them into a second and 20, and then they can't overcome that. It's those type of plays are just drive killers. And for a coach, Joe Judge, that prides himself on discipline and prides himself on attention to detail, you would expect the team to be a little bit better with the detail. The Giants just haven't been this season. No, and that's the thing we've been talking about since the preseason. And I remember after the first game, you know, Joe and I talked about how against the Jets, you know, the the discipline, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but also on the offense, you know, the the discipline wasn't there. But that's at the time it was fine. That was first preseason game. There was still plenty of time to get better, and we wouldn't say it was a problem until you know th- those issues were cropping up in the in the regular season. Well, we're seven weeks into the regular season and the giants are still having discipline problems. Like you talk about the, those issues with the penalties. I mean, giants had what seven, nine penalties, something like that, seven or eight. And this isn't the first game that's happened. I'm getting sick and tired of seeing a play and then immediately looking down to, to see if there's a flag thrown and, it happens way too much. And just to take a macro view, there's just so much bad football being played across the NFL. <laughs> it It is just, it is concerning. And if the NFL wants to go to an 18 game season, they cannot have a two game preseason. They need to go to a second bye week. And honestly, I would say give, give the teams back their fourth preseason game. Cause if this is the product they want to put on the field 18 times with all the extra injury and fatigue and wear and tear on players, ooh, December and early January are not going to be pretty. Yeah, let's just have the Super Bowl the same weekend as the Combine. Let's just do that. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Get out the Combine during halftime. <laughs> they take about the same amount of time, I think. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have anything else though to wrap up the show before I before I close things out to talk about this uh, some of the issues that we saw in this game? Uh, you know, we kind of hit on my one big issue. We hit on that earlier when we were talking about Jason Garrett, and that was the inefficient offense. And it was kind of a rock in a hard place where he did what he had to do to protect Daniel Jones, to protect the offensive line, and really keep. Jones from being put in positions where he could make mistakes by scheming him a lot of easy throws, you know, a lot of one or two read passes or levels concepts where they created a lot of, uh, a lot of conflict for the Panther secondary and trying to get defenders to be wrong. However, 
a lot of those really short passes. You know, I talked about how short Darnold's passes were. Well, Daniel Jones, his was his average completion was I think three point six yards downfield, and just in terms of EPA and, and all of that, you know, how likely his play was to result in points. He tied Jared Goff this this week. That's his closest approximate to how well Daniel Jones played was Jared Goff. And that's really why the game was 5-3 for 45 minutes. Yeah, you know, the, the Giants were able to move the ball. They got great field position because, well, the Panthers' offense was just terrible. But they could never really capitalize on it, and that was in large part because of all of the plays they ran that didn't amount to a whole hell of a lot. And I think going forward, they need to find a balance between airing the ball out and taking chances and also being safe and judicious with it. They had the right opponent to take the safe route this week, but next week, if Pat Mahomes is healthy or, you know, if the Raiders are able to click, you know, if Darren Waller's healthy and, you know, the drama over there doesn't overcome them. And then after the bye week against Brady, which we said we get back to him and just all the weapons <laughs> the Buccaneers have, you know, they can't afford to take the safe route that time. But they also can't afford to put Daniel Jones or the ball in danger. They can't. I'm excited for next week, Monday Night Football. I think the Giants, especially if they have Kadarius Tony, are going to have a really interesting game plan. And if they can protect six-man protection, keep a tight end in, keep Devontae Booker in to block or Elijah Penny, try to attack vertically, man, because we have seen this Chiefs defense not be the Steve Spagnuolo that we know and that we love. So I'm excited to see that on prime time. Not necessarily excited to see the game because I don't know if it's going to be too well for the New York Giants, but... Hopefully they can get some offense going and attack downfield and take advantage of those critical vulnerabilities that the Chiefs have shown basically every game, except for Washington. Uh, I think that's a good note to wrap us up on, though, folks. Thank you for tuning in to this uh, uh, this podcast, Breaking Down the Panthers' victory. We'll be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs coming up later on in the week. Enjoy the rest of your week, folks. Talk to you soon.